Right, we're going to start having you guys come up and, and do memory verses here pretty soon. Give you a Dairy Queen ice cream card. All right, so show of hands, show of hands. How many, how many of you are, are bilingual in here? Speak more than one language. I was going to ask. How, how, many, how many pig Latin speakers do we have in the room today? A few of you. How many, how many of you speak two languages? Pig Latin included. I see a couple of you. Yeah. How, many, how many speak three languages? Any, anybody speak four? Looking around, looking around. Nobody speaks four. Anybody speak, speak seven million, including, uh, what, what is it, botanese or whatever? What, what is it a C-3PO speaks, you know? I can't even remember. Yeah. I, uh, I took Spanish in high school, and I failed it. Twice. Yeah, I'm not even kidding. I, I failed it the first time, and I thought... Who's, who, who fails Spanish? Apparently me. Yeah, so, so I, fa- I failed Spanish. I, I, uh, I failed it twice. I learned two words in Spanish, food and bathroom. For the two, two words that I learned. And um, I, I, I messed these up really bad one time. I was, uh, uh, no context provided, but I, I was at a place one time. I was feeding a, a gentleman lunch on a, on a lunch tray, and uh, he was a Hispanic gentleman, didn't speak any English. He came to this door, and the and, uh, door opened up, and I handed him a lunch tray, and, and I, uh, uh, I, I said, K? Or I, I, said, I said, Baño, and he says, K? Baño? K? Baño. And he takes the lunch tray, and he, he walks away, kind of like this, and to this day, I don't know if, if he thought I went to the bathroom in his lunch, or if he was supposed to use this tray for his bathroom. Yeah, it, it was terrible. And, and the gentleman I was with were like, you failed Spanish, didn't you? Yeah, it was terrible. Twice. Yeah. No, it should have been a red flag to my wife that I, that I, that, for, 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 uh, scary things in our marriage that I, that I, that I failed Spanish because, uh, the thing is, I don't know about you, but in premarital class, nobody told me that I would have to learn how to speak female <laughs> in premarital class. I, I was, I, I wish they would have let me know that, but, but, but nobody told me. I grew up in a house full of guys except for my mom, and, uh, you know, I, I have two brothers, and my dad and me, and we, you know, we, we spent our whole lives punching each other and calling each other names, and, and you know, that's, that's how we showed love. You know, I, I asked my mom one time, Mom, how did you make it? I did all I could to survive, you know. It was kind of like that, I, and now I'm in a home with, uh, I have two girls and my wife, and so it's, it's like the polar opposite, and, you know, I spend time with my, my, my nine-year-old daughter, and, and I still... You know, punch her in the arm. What's up, goof head? You know, and, and she just looks at me and cries. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't understand. Right? It worked when I was a kid, but I, I'm I'm learning, I'm learning to communicate differently. In fact, uh, yeah, I've I've learned uh, two words now. I've learned I've learned two words now that I'm in a house full of girls. I feel, <laughs> and I get them confused. Yeah, I is not is not a, a good word to use. I mean, it's, it's selfish, right? I mean, when it's about me, it's not good, right? Feelings are important in, in a house full of ladies. I've been married 16 years, and I, I, I've learned over 16 years that I am a terrible communicator. Yeah, anybody else? Any other guys? You thought you were just fine going into it, and now, now that you're on the other side, it's, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not good. I remember a time I was driving. This, this is probably eight, nine years ago. My wife and I were driving uh, through the country and uh, ha- having a discussion, just a talk, and the, the, the talk turned into a lengthy talk, which turned into uh, my wife was, was sharing her feelings about, uh, about the, cur- the particular topic. Um, and as she was sharing her feelings, I decided... Those aren't the right feelings. That, that, that can't be right. And so I pulled the car over so we could have like a face-to-face conversation right, about these feelings because I was, I was determined that those were the wrong feelings to be having for that particular thing. And uh, my wife, in the, in the most loving way possible, filled me in on, on a, a very important fact that feelings are not right or wrong. They're just feelings. That made no sense to me whatsoever. I mean, I have like, I, I, I don't know about 
you, but uh, as a guy, I, I have like this little drill instructor in the back of my head that tells me when my feelings are incorrect, right? If I'm going through a particular situation and, and, and maybe I feel a little bit afraid or a little bit uh, nervous about something, I have something, something in the back of my mind that pops in. You will not be afraid. You are experiencing the wrong feeling at this time. You'll drop down and give me 50 push-ups. And my wife wonders why I'm doing push-ups in the middle of, you know, this strange situation. It's terrible. But, but uh, my, my, yeah, I, I, I was just like, I, I don't understand the, the, the feeling thing. And so I thought, well, I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to try it. So in our conversation, it proceeded a little bit further, and I, I, I had some emotions. I had some feelings also. And so I decided, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this. And so at the time when I could interject and talk, I said, I feel like you're a jerk. <laughs> it was a very quiet ride home. <laughs> it, was, it was very quiet. And you know how, like, in your car, there's, like, a foot distance between seats? I mean, it felt like a Humvee. I mean, it felt like 10 feet in between us. Yeah, but she didn't kick me out of the car. Glory to Jesus. Uh, men, listen, listen and repeat after me. You are right. I am sorry. I'll do better next time. <laughs> Three phrases that, that will save your marriage, save intimacy, hopefully keep you from walking home. Ladies, repeat after me. No, I don't dare, right? <laughs> oh, not a chance. Not a chance. Let's pray for me. All right. Father God, we just come before you today, Lord. We're so thankful that we have the opportunity to come and be together in your presence, that you love us so much, God. You've extended your word to us. Jesus, I pray that as we, as we get into your word this morning, Father, that it would come alive to us. Lord, this is spirit-inspired from you, and Lord, we thank you that we have it. Father, speak to us. Breathe life into us, and Lord, I pray that... that uh, where there's dust in our hearts, God, that you would just begin to, to wipe that off today, Lord Jesus, and draw us close to you to bring life and healing and peace in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. 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 Nothing destroys intimacy like poor communication, does it? Nothing messes up intimacy in, in a relationship like poor communication. If you've got your Bible, you want to flip it open, uh, Exodus 33 Verse 7, I'll read it to you. If you want to follow along, feel free. It says this, Moses took his tent, and he pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and he called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was when Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose. Each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that, that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people rose and worshipped each man at his tent door. I love this part. This, just, this is one of my favorite passages in scripture. Verse 11, it says, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. I mean, isn't that powerful? So the Lord spoke with Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. And then it says in verse, in the later part of that verse, and his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, didn't depart from the Lord. Moses would, would leave the, the, the meeting with the Lord, and, and uh, Joshua, this young man, young teenager probably, would, would be in there, and he would just stay in the presence of God. And just soaking it up. Just, just soaking up the presence of God. God wants intimacy with us. And he has done everything to provide for that. God wants to have intimacy with us. He's taken every step possible to make that happen. There are no more requirements. There's no hoops we have to jump through. There's one thing that it takes to have an intimate relationship with God. And it was, it's simply this. Jesus said, said this, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. God took 
every roadblock out of the way for us to have intimacy with God. And he made it all possible through Jesus, through his sacrifice on the cross. Right? I mean, most, most everybody's heard that, right? We, we've heard of, heard of Jesus, right? So, so he's made it possible. So my question is, are we content? Just, I mean, here we are. We, we just read this passage about the people standing at the doorways of their tents, watching as this man would go out of, out of the camp to a tent to meet intimately with God, and they would stand at the doorways of their tents. Are we content standing at the doorways of our tents, watching somebody else go into the presence of God? I'm asking you specifically for you, for your family. Are you content watching others get intimate into the presence of God while we sit and watch? Who says no? Who says not anymore? Good. Because that's not what God has for you. That's not what God has for me. He wants intimacy with his people. He loves us intimately, and he wants to be close to us. Just, just like Moses, right? The Bible tells us that Moses would go out, and he would meet with God face to face. God wants Testing. 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 Hey, it's working. Right. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and the Lord is attentive to their cry. And so one more time, who's the righteous? We are. That's right. Isaiah 65, verse 24 says this, Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. Scripture is clear that God wants intimacy with us. He's listening, and he's responding when we pray. God wants intimacy with us. He's listening, and he is responding when we pray. But sometimes we just don't understand his response. There's like a, it's a, the communication glitch. You know what I'm saying? Right? We pray, and it, sometimes it seems like, man, God didn't hear my prayer. Man, maybe, maybe God's not listening. Maybe God's busy. Maybe, maybe I didn't pray hard enough. Maybe I didn't pray the right words. But God hears us. I mean, Scripture makes it clear. In fact, I just read two passages that talk about God hearing us and responding. And there are, there are hundreds of passages just like it throughout the Old and New Testament that declare over and over again that God hears us. He loves us. He wants to be intimate with us. He is responding when we pray. But I think that the, the deficit is that we're, we're not understanding his response. And so what happens is, I, I think we have a tendency, we'll pray and then we begin to give up on prayer. We begin to say, God's not hearing my prayer. And sometimes we can even get to the point when we say, man, I don't even know if God's real. Because nothing's happening. You know if that's you. So last week we talked about, we talked about prayer. And my, my goal last week, my heart last week, was to inspire you back to prayer. Was to inspire you to pray. How many of you prayed this week? Anybody pray? Good. How many of you went on the, the, the Facebook page and, and, and entered some sort of thing that God had answered? A prayer that God had answered? Anybody go on Facebook and do that? One, yeah, I see a couple of you. Yeah, a couple of you there, cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encourage you to do that this week. If you didn't do it last week, it's never too late. You know what? There, there are many people in this body that log on to that thing just at random, just because it's their habit, habitual Facebook people. What are my friends doing today? All right, awesome. I'm not going to put anything on there. And then they move on, right? That's, that's cool, whatever. But uh, if the Lord's doing something by way of answered prayer, put it on there. It's encouraging one another. Right? Somebody might be struggling in their prayer life. They may log on to there, and the Lord may use the simple two sentences you put on there to inspire them to pray. So I encourage you, do it. Don't be afraid. 
So today I want to talk about what are some things that get in the way of our understanding? What are some of the things that get in the way of, of our communication with the Lord? The Bible calls it things that hinder our prayers. But what I want to call it this morning as, as we're talking about this is what are some things that disrupt intimacy with the Lord? Because essentially that's what it is. It's things that disrupt our intimacy with God. And let's take a look at uh, Psalm 66, verse 16. Let me read this one to you. It says, Come and listen, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he did for me. This is, this is David writing. He says, For I cried out to him for help, praising him as I spoke. Listen to this part. This is key. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God did listen. He paid attention to my prayer. Praise God who did not ignore my prayer or withdraw his unfailing love. The first thing I want to talk about this morning, things that disrupt our intimacy with God, is when we, when we harbor sin in our hearts. When we have hidden sin, when, when we have willful purposeful sin that we've got embedded deep down in there. Maybe it's something that nobody knows about. Maybe it's a lifestyle that, that you've just kind of been, been keeping a secret. Maybe it's a habit you have. Maybe it's, I don't know what it is. You know what it is for you, if that's you. It's something that maybe you've had since childhood, that you've, you've just fallen into this particular temptation. I don't know. I don't know what it would be for you, Right? It may be a secret. It may be something that, that, that everyone knows. It may be something that you and your friends get together and participate in. I don't know what it would be. But between you and the Lord, the Lord doesn't let those things slide. We know what it is because the Lord, every time we do it, the Holy Spirit's going, hey, don't do that. Hey, let's move past this. Right? Harbored sin. One of my favorite passages about uh, addressing sin is in, uh, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 6. And it, it's, it's the precursor to the Cain and Abel story. Everybody, everybody's heard of Cain and Abel, right? Well, before the whole Cain and Abel thing happened, uh, we know that Cain and Abel both, both, both brought an offering to God. And the Bible tells us that, that Cain brought his offering to the Lord, and the Lord didn't accept it. So Cain was walking away dejected, you know, kicking stuff and, and probably punching things like, like boys do, you know, just, just being a guy, and he was all ticked off. And, and the Bible says that God goes to Cain, and it paints this amazing picture of God sitting down with Cain. Cain, listen, I need to tell you something. If you do what's right, if you do what you know you should do, you'll be accepted. If you give your best, you'll be accepted. But if you don't, sin is waiting at your door. And son, it wants to destroy you. You must master it, is what he says to Cain. He says, sin is waiting to destroy you. You've got to master it. And sometimes we think, we, we forget that that's what sin does. I mean, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, right? And sometimes we forget about that when we're walking in it. But just like he said to Cain, well, I mean, we know what Cain chose after that, don't we? He didn't master it. It ruins life. And so here, here we have Cain, and God tells him, You've got to master this thing because it seeks to destroy you. These hidden areas in our lives, the enemy wants to use to bring ruin to you. They don't seem as though they're ruining us necessarily as we're in them, but it's like a loaded trap. I mean, you can walk around that thing all you want to, and it may not snap. Right? You ever been walking around somebody's car at the mall, and you know you see the alarm light blinking, and... and you know, you're, you're parked beside it, no big deal. You open your door up, oh, it's not, it's not, it's not going off. And all of a sudden, you start screaming, right? When all of a sudden, you're not paying attention and you, you jump out of your shoes. I mean, it's like that. You don't know when this thing's going to go off. But the thing is with sin, when the Bible says the wages of sin is death, it doesn't necessarily just mean you're going to all of a sudden die, right? I mean, if I call my wife a jerk, all of a sudden, I don't fall over dead. But doesn't something in our intimacy die? Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Something of intimacy between us and the Lord dies when we, when we live consistently, constantly harboring 
sin. Listen, church, when we take, when we take the very thing that the enemy would use to destroy us, and we turn it around and use it for the glory of God, the enemy will quit attacking you in that area. What do I mean by that? I mean that if when the enemy comes to you with a particular sin, a particular stumbling block for you, and, and you say, you know what, I'm going to take this thing to God. I'm not going to do this this time. I'm going to pray. The Bible says, we read last week, confess our sins one to another so that we may be healed, right? And we call a Christian brother or sister and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to tell you something right now that, that you know, between you and me, I, I'm, I have a struggle. Can I tell you about it? Will you pray for me? Because I want to be healed. And if you begin to do that, every single time the enemy tempts you in a particular area, he will leave you alone. Because he doesn't want to draw you closer to Jesus. You know what I mean? If the area where you fall is now causing you to grow in your intimacy with God, the devil will leave you alone. So the first area that disrupts intimacy with the Lord that we need to, we need to address is willful sin. Let's take a look at Mark chapter 11, verse 25. It says, But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven can forgive your sins too. The second thing that disrupts intimacy between us and the Lord is unforgiveness. It's unforgiveness. I don't want to skate around this one too much. Listen, I don't know, I don't know you. I don't know the areas in your life that have caused the deepest wounds and, and the most obvious scars in your life. We, we live in a, in a, rough, a rough place. I mean, Jesus declared over and over again that this, this was not going to be a smooth ride. And so I don't know what it is for you that has brought you wounds. But hear my heart, if, if there were a way just to magically poof, make them gone, I believe that, that God would do that. But here's the thing. We have to come to a place where regardless of our wounds, that we can forgive. What does, that, what does that mean? What's that look like? See, the Bible tells us that God throws our sin as far as the east is from the west. The thing that we've done against God that has wounded his heart, he takes that and throws it as far as the east is from the west, the Bible says, right? We're not God. I can't do that. I don't have in me the ability to forget when I've been hurt. We just don't. But what we do have the ability to do is make a choice not to use that thing against that person anymore. Don't we? We have to draw a line in the sand and say, you know what? Because, Lord, I believe that you're healing me and you're doing a work in me and you've forgiven me for so much. Lord, I'm going to choose to extend that forgiveness. Lord, at this point, I will no longer use this against this person. Does that mean we let them continue to hurt us? No, not at all. You need to be safe. If there's something going on in your life and, and, and you feel like, you know, I want to forgive this person, but I'm continually being hurt, talk to somebody. There, there, there are certain steps that need to be taken in order for, for you to be safe. There really are. But the thing is, if it's beyond that point and, it, and it's at a place, you know, somebody wounded you with some words. Somebody said something at one point that stuck with you, right? We have to get to a place where we say, I'm not going to use that against you, against them anymore. And we take it before the Lord. And it may be, it may be more than just a one-time draw a line in the sand. It may be we need to go to the Lord with this five, ten, a hundred times until we're able to really be free to walk in that forgiveness. But are we making the effort? Right? Are we making the steps? Are we taking the steps to move forward in forgiveness? We've got to move forward in forgiveness. 1 Peter 3.7 says this. All right, everybody hunker down and, and put on your seatbelt. It says, in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wives with understanding as you live together. She is an equal partner in God's new life. Treat her as you should so that your prayers will not be hindered. Treat her as you should so that your prayers will not be hindered. I didn't write it. Right? 
What, what's the point here? The point is that our family relationships need to be in order. When our family relationships aren't in order, it hinders our intimacy with the Lord. The Lord wants our family relationships to be in order. I mean, what, what did Jesus say that the, the, the great commandment was? To love God and to love people, right? He didn't say there were two commandments, did he? They were one. The, great, the greatest commandment is this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Right? He didn't say, and number two, it's one commandment. The God of all sees that it is vitally important that our relationships be in order. And most importantly, our family relationships. We've got to have our family relationships in order or it hinders our intimacy with each other, but that also hinders intimacy with our Heavenly Father. We've got to make it right. James chapter 1, verse 5 through 8 says, If you need wisdom, ask, and our glorious God... Ask our glorious God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. And when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person who is divided in loyalty. uh, I'm sorry, pardon me. For, For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave in the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything that they do. Right, wavering back and forth between what's this saying? This is this is this is not necessarily talking about faithlessness. This is talking about when something is going on in our lives and we know we should pray about it. And we pray and and we think, yeah, you know, if God comes through, that's cool. It's the religious thing to do. I'll pray. Oh God, blah 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 blah. Amen. Right? Are we willing to put all of our eggs in one basket when it comes to our trust in the Lord concerning the things we pray about? Are we willing to say, God, I I have no other options. You are my option, Lord. You may have other options, I don't know. But the, the reality is, are we willing, the first person we go to, is it God? Do we pour out our hearts full speed ahead knowing that God is my answer? I'm gonna press into him. There's a passage in Scripture that, that, uh, uh, that says when we are faithless, God remains faithful because he will not deny himself. This passage isn't talking about those who are struggling in their walk with the Lord, who may be new believers, who are learning to pray and getting to the point where they say, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you in this. This may be my first time, Lord, really leaning on you 100%, but I'm going to. I don't know that you can do anything, God. When we are faithless, God will remain faithful because he will not deny himself. If you give God the opportunity, 100% give God the opportunity. You take a step out onto that invisible bridge like on Indiana Jones, right? When you give God the opportunity to catch you, he will. But are you willing to jump off and land both feet on the invisible bridge? Right? That's, 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 what, that's what it's about. I love this, uh, this verse, James chapter 1, verse 5. At the end of it, it says, it says the loyal, their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they're unstable right, in everything that they do. This is talking about a lack of balance. Right? Uh, Eric sang a song a little earlier that, that uh, had a reference to a, a passage that Jesus had shared about when we put our trust in Jesus. If you do the things that I say, you, you'll be like a man who, who built his house on a rock. Right? When the winds come and the waves come, you won't be blown, you, your, your foundation won't be destroyed. But, but if you don't do the things that I say, you're, you're, you're like having a, foundation, a house with a foundation built on sand. Right? What happens, what this is talking about, this unstableness, it's as life and stuff begin to erode our foundation, it makes us unstable, right? And this is what this is talking about. It's talking about, about uh, people who, whose foundation is not 
in obedience. They're not grounded in obedience. They're not grounded in pressing firmly into the Lord. But they're, they're, they're half committed one way or the other. You know, if, if God pulls through, then eh, well, that's cool, whatever. I mean, they're just not, it's not a leaning full tilt on God. And God wants us to lean on him. The way we lean on him is through obedience, right? As we learn what God's word says, it builds our faith. As we, as we are obedient to God's word, we, we learn how to stand on him with both feet. Uh, Taylor, uh, my youngest daughter, she was uh, climbing around a couple of years ago in the, the back of my dad's couch. And uh, she, she's like the, the absolute monkey child, right? I mean, if there's something to climb, she'll climb it. If it's not even possible to climb it, she'll still climb it. The other day, she was, she was standing in the doorway or the, the little hallway with, with her feet, two feet stuck against the wall and her hands against the other wall, about three feet off the ground. And I'm like, did you go to ninja school? I mean, where did you even learn to do this stuff? And here she is, you know, climbing the wall and Anyway, she climbed the couch and, and did a somersault over the back of the couch and, and whacked her head on, the, on, on a box and, and cut her forehead, and it was bleeding, and she needed stitches. And, uh, you know, she had it in mind. She wanted to go to, uh, I, I think it was uh, Chuck E. Cheese before that. She was like, I want to go to Chuck E. Cheese, Dad. Got to go to Chuck E. Cheese. Fell and whacked her head. Dad, I want to go to Chuck E. Cheese. Ah, you know. At no point did I say, oh, yeah, Chuck E. Cheese, that's awesome. Let's, let's go to Chuck E. Cheese. Let me get, a, let me get a, 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 some Kleenex. We'll just hold it on there. Because I could see that the wound here was a lot, a lot more severe than a Band-Aid was going to fix. Right? And so I took her to the ER, and they, they put some super glue or something on it and, and uh, you know, made, it, made it all you know, all healed up and everything. And then at that point, we could evaluate what was going to happen the rest of the day. Right? But we, we didn't overlook the bleeding. We didn't overlook the wound for... The other stuff, did we? You guys may have had a conversation uh, with with your kids that goes something like this, right? I've had some conversations with my kids. We we'll sit on the edge of the bed, and the room's a disaster. And and I say, I say to them, you know, they want to go to Chuck E. Cheese or wherever. And I say, well, we're not going to go anywhere until the, until your room's clean. We got to clean your room first. And they say, okay, Dad. And they get off the bed, and and they pick up one thing, and then they start playing. And I say, hey, 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 hold on, hold on, come here. Sit down. I know you, you have things you want to do and you want to play, but we've got to clean the room first. Okay, Dad, no problem. They hop off the bed, go down, pick up one thing, and start playing around some more, right? Who's, who's experienced this? Yeah? And so then you say, hold on, come here, have a seat. Let's try this a third time. First we are going to first we are going to pick up the room. I mean, what do you have to say sometimes to get their attention? Sometimes you, you just it, I don't know. You got to speak pig Latin. I don't know. So I'm telling them we got to clean the room first. And finally, hopefully they understand. But you know what? Our Father is doing the same thing to us. We, we pray and we pray and we pray and we want to move past all these things that the Bible tells us very specifically. These are hindering your intimacy with God. We must address these first and we, we want to move past them, don't we? We want to acknowledge somewhere in our hearts, God, I've, I've, I'm harboring some unforgiveness. We'll deal with that later. Off to Chuck E. Cheese, Right? God, I want to pray for, for, for this person to be healed. God, I want to pray for my finances. God, I want to pray for this. God, I want to pray for that. God, I need a boat. God, I want to win the lottery. I mean, whatever you pray for, I mean, don't tell me you haven't prayed to win the lottery. <laughs> whatever it is you pray for, the Holy Spirit would say to us, to his church, kids, I love you. Have a seat. Before we move into that, let's look at this first. Because our Heavenly Father wants to have intimacy with us. He wants to meet with us in our prayer time. As we draw into Him, as, as we pray, I mean, there may be some people in here who have gone a, a month, a year, you may have gone a decade or longer with one of these four things in your heart that has been unaddressed by the Lord and have said, I don't feel like my relationship with God is progressing. 
You may have left church for a season. You may have walked away from, from friends who love the Lord because you, you feel like your relationship with the Lord hasn't progressed. Because the Lord would say to you, come, have a seat, let's address these things, and then we'll move forward. Beloved of the Lord, we have to address these things. We do. We have to, to deal with them, allow the Holy Spirit to, to weed them out in our lives before we press forward. He wants intimacy with us. When we harbor sin, it leads to disobedience. When we disobey, it leads to rebellion. When we rebel, it leads to oppression. When we're oppressed, we eat out of a pig trough. Don't eat out of a pig trough. <laughs> Buy DirecTV. <laughs> that would be a DirecTV commercial, right? As, as funny as that sounds, it's true. Have you guys ever heard the story of the prodigal son? I mean, everybody's heard the story, right? I mean, the, the son's at home. He gets all ticked off being in dad's, being in, in, in dad's you know, uh, whatever you call it, you know, homestead. And, and he decides he wants to go out on his own. He, he, he tells dad, dad, I want my inheritance, which would have been about a third. He was the second son. He got about a third of what dad had to offer. Dad gave him stuff, sent him out. He had no intentions of going back. He was in rebellion, right? He left dad, had no intentions of going back. When, when he spent all his money, uh, the, the, the story alludes to he was probably a good Jewish kid, right? He's supposed to have nothing to do with pork pigs or anything remotely close. And he goes out and finds himself working on a pig farm. And as the story moves on, oppression began to set into this guy's life. He couldn't pull away. He couldn't get away. He found himself eating pig food. Right? I think it's um, Luke chapter 15... If you want to read it, Luke chapter 15-ish, 15, 16. Uh, if you haven't heard the story, go read it. I mean, this, this is what happens when we, when we harbor this stuff. What's oppression? It's when, it's when the enemy gets his meat hooks in us, when we're living a lifestyle and, and we decide, you know what, maybe I kind of want to get out of this. And then all of a sudden, you're spinning your tires and you can't seem to break free. Right? I mean, it sounds like a really scary word, and, but, but we, we live with it constantly. Right? It's, it's where we can't seem, to, can't seem to pull loose. And the Lord wants to break us free. And so what I love about the story of the prodigal son is, is here's the son. Finally, he breaks free. He says, I'm going home. I'm going to go be my dad's servant. That's got to be better than eating pig food. And so he, he goes home and wants to say the, the dad is, is waiting. He's waiting for the son to come home. The scripture indicates that the dad would constantly, consistently stand outside and look and wait and see, man, is my son coming home? Maybe today. And maybe today. Are you coming home? Maybe today. Right? Is today your day? Is today the day that, the, that, that you would say, you know what, I'm tired of eating pig food. I'm tired of feeling a lack of intimacy in my walk with the Lord. I'm going to address these things. I'm going to go home. And just like the prodigal son, the Bible tells us that, that, that here was the dad waiting. The son came up, dad, I'm, I'm totally lame. And dad's like, I don't care, you know. Grabs a robe, throw, throws a robe around him, right? Puts, it, puts, it, puts the signet ring of the family back on the guy's finger has a big party, right? He's just excited that his son is home. God's heart is no less for us. Amen. It's no less for us. When, when, when we make the decision, you know what, God, I want to address these things. I want to move forward in my intimacy with you. Lord, I don't want to be in rebellion against you. I don't want to be in, in sin. Lord, I want to walk with you. I want to have intimacy again. Man, the Lord is there before you can get it out of your mouth. The Holy Spirit's there throwing his love around you. Ilya, would you mind coming up and playing? 
I've got some I've got some other notes written down here, some things about prayer. You know, what are you know, answer some questions about prayer. You know, why doesn't the Bible say we can have whatever we want if we ask? Right? I mean there's there's some there's some 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 fun things in here that I, I thought we would talk about this morning. But you know what? I don't believe that the Lord would let us move past this. I don't. I want to because it's fun. I like fun. Right? But but I think that this morning the Lord would have us stop and and address these issues address Lord is there anything in me that would be keeping me from intimacy with you and so if you don't mind can we, can we just can we pray together let's just close our eyes up before the Lord Father I just ask right now Lord as your Holy Spirit is here Lord your word says where two or more are gathered there you are in the midst of them. And Lord, we we know that you're here because you are faithful to your word. And so Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit this morning that you would just move amongst your people and Lord, that you would dust off, Lord, these issues that have maybe settled in our hearts that have been buried down deep maybe for a day, maybe for a decade. And Lord, you want to draw us into intimacy, but we've never stopped to take the time to say, you're right, Father, I'll be obedient. I'll deal with this perhaps in the way of, of hidden sin, perhaps in the way of unforgiveness, perhaps your relationship with your spouse. Maybe an apathetic prayer. Just allow the Lord to speak to your heart right now. Just allow the Lord to to just softly gently massage your heart today just to bring up anything that he would want to address that would keep you from intimacy with him we're just going to wait on the Lord for just a few minutes just to allow the Lord just to speak to us Lord just like David wrote Lord if if there's anything in my heart God that's not pleasing to you would you reveal it to us Lord, help us clean our room. So now that, now that we've had some chance to, to, to think just a little bit, nobody looking around, everybody's eyes closed. This is intimate time between you and the Lord. If you're here this morning and one of these four things has, has been brought to light by the Holy Spirit this morning, would you just slip your hand up? Nobody looking around. This is between you and the Lord. I'm going to pray for you this morning. Come on, this is time to to be intimate with the Lord. You can have intimacy back with God this morning as we lay these things before him, as we acknowledge, Lord, I want to fix this. If that's you this morning, just stick your hand up way up high in the air. It's before the Lord. Lord, I'm I'm just acknowledging before you, God, that I need healing and I need peace. I want intimacy, Father. Lord, I want to meet with you. I don't want my prayers to be hindered, Lord. So, Father, I pray right now, Jesus, for for those who have raised their hands up, you can put your hands down. Lord, I pray that, that your Holy Spirit would just begin to free them right now. Lord, that you would you would deposit in their mind and in their heart what are the steps that need to be taken to resolve this. And it may be repentance. It may be simply going to the Lord and saying, Father, forgive me. I've sinned. It may be going to you, to a spouse and saying, and saying, you know what? I've, I've sinned against you. Will you forgive me? Thank you, Jesus. And for those who, who, who may have unforgiveness, Lord, I pray specifically for those. Father, it's the most difficult thing to walk past sometimes. Father, I pray, Jesus, that right now you begin to, to, to gently and lovingly do whatever's necessary, Lord, in the hearts of those who, who harbor unforgiveness, Lord Jesus. It's not that they want to have it.
Father, bring us to a place, Lord, where we can forgive, where we can choose to not use that thing as a weapon ever again. But Lord, each, each, each time that would pop in our mind, Father, we would lay that weapon down at the foot of your cross. We would lay it at the foot of your throne. Father, thank you that, that you take up our offenses. And Lord, we can trust you with them. Thank you, Jesus. I want to close this up just with, 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 with one more thing. How do we jumpstart intimacy with God? How do we get back into intimacy with the Lord? In uh, Matthew chapter 6, the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, how do we pray? Jesus knew there would come a point where, where his people, filled with life, filled with the Holy Spirit, would, would, would pray in just the most amazing ways in a spiritual connection with the Lord. But, but he went ahead and he told the disciples something. He said, you know what? All right, here, here's how you pray. He's going to give them a 101 on, on how to pray. And he says this. He says, when you pray, go to a quiet place where you can be intimate with your Father in heaven. And he says, pray, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right? He's giving glory and praise to God. Your kingdom come. What's that even mean, your kingdom come? The Bible says that in, in the end, God is going to restore all things. The best way I can sum this up for you is back at the beginning of creation, God created all the world, all the universe, all everything. He took the keys to it, and he said, Adam, here you go. I made all this stuff. Here you go. I'm putting authority in your hands for this. Subdue it, make it awesome. Here you go. And then mankind turned around and said, Satan, here you go. I can be like God. Awesome, I'll trade you. And we gave the authority that God had given us over to the enemy. But the Bible promises that in the end, God's going to restore everything. He's going to take back that authority. He really is. When we, when we pray, Father, your kingdom come, we're saying, God, restore all things in my life. Restore things back to the way you intended in me and in my family. Right? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That's pretty self-explanatory, right? Take me out of the way, God. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. We're talking to God about our needs and the needs of those around us, right? Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those, right, who trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation. I mean, how many of us pray that? God, keep me from temptation. How much less temptation would we be struggling with if we would pray, God, keep me from temptation? Really? Pray, ask the Lord, God, keep me from temptation. And deliver us from evil. And then he goes back to praise again. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So be it, God. So be it. Make it happen. Make it happen, Lord. He didn't say pray that that paragraph. He was setting up an example for the disciples of how to pray. It's restoring intimacy 101. When you don't know what to pray, we go back to this. And we say, God, I'm just going to begin right here. And I'm going to start with praise. Like I said before, nothing happens in the kingdom of God without praise. It begins when we humble ourselves before the Lord. We acknowledge he's on the throne and we're not. That's where it starts. All right, one more time. Everybody's eyes closed. No one looking around. I want to give I want to give an opportunity this morning. If you've never taken the opportunity to say, "Wow, I can I can I can be intimate with the God of creation, the one who created all things. I can I can know him." Yeah, the Bible tells us that that he sent his son Jesus to pave the way for us to have intimacy with the Lord. And it's simply by it's simply by this acknowledging our sin, acknowledging that we've failed to live up to God's standard. So God sent his son Jesus to fulfill that standard on our behalf. And we simply have to acknowledge, Lord, I, I accept your forgiveness. Forgive me for my sins. I receive that, what Jesus did for me on the cross. 
And the Bible says you'll be a new creation. Old things have passed away. Everything's been made new. So this morning, nobody looking around, all eyes closed. If, if that's you this morning and you, and you would like to begin as a new creation with an intimate relationship with Father God, would you just slip your hand up so I can see you? You have the opportunity this morning. I see you back there. Anybody else? I see you. Anybody else? Moving over to the right. Anyone? The Bible says if we confess our sin, that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you just acknowledge this morning that that I, I acknowledge my sin before the Lord, I acknowledge that I've fallen short. If that was you this morning, you raised your hand, I saw you, a couple of you this morning, your sins are forgiven. The Bible says you're a new creation. Way to go. You have a secure spot in eternity with the living God and can begin a relationship of intimacy with him simply through prayer, just talking to God. Father, I pray, Lord, as, as we go out of here today, Lord Jesus, that you would that you would draw us closer and closer to you in intimacy, Father, that you would inspire us back to prayer, Lord, that we begin to put, put all of our chips on you. Lord, our, everything, Lord, all of our trust is in you. Jesus, help us to begin to exercise this relationship that you've now given us access to through prayer. Father, that we leave these things behind, these these things, Lord, that have gotten in the way of our intimacy. Jesus, we lay them down today. And Lord, we take up freedom today in Jesus' name. And everybody who's free today said amen. God bless you guys. As the lights come up, I'm going to invite the prayer warriors, our prayer team, come on up here in the front. If you need prayer and you want somebody to pray with you, come on up. Spend some time with these guys. They'll they'll agree with you in prayer. Um, also out in the hospitality area, we have coffee, cookies, um, all that stuff. Go hang out with somebody. Get to know somebody you haven't known yet and uh, just love on them. Otherwise, church, have a blessed week. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless you. I lay it all down, I lay it all down, I lay it all down at your feet, I lay it all down, I lay it all down, I lay it all down.
Free.